May 17th, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Teacher, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sin or those of his parents? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. He was born blind, so the power of God could be seen in him. All of us must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent me, because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. But while I am still here in this world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and smoothed the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed, and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Is this the same man, that beggar? Some said he was, and others said, No, but he surely looks like him. And the beggar kept saying, I am the same man. They asked, Who healed you? What happened? He told them, The man they called Jesus made mud and smoothed it over my eyes and told me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash off the mud. I went and washed, and now I can see. Where is he now? they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man to the Pharisees. Now as it happened, Jesus had healed the man on the Sabbath. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them. He smoothed the mud over my eyes, and when it was washed away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees once again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, This man who opened your eyes, who do you say he is? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders wouldn't believe he had been blind, so they called in his parents. They asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he see? His parents replied, We know this is our son, and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. They said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. So for the second time they called in the man who had been blind and told him, Give glory to God by telling the truth, because we know Jesus is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know anything about him. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, 
and yet you don't know anything about him? Well, God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Never since the world began has anyone been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do it. You were born in sin, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? Because I would like to. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, the man said, I believe. And he worshipped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show these who think they see that they are blind. The Pharisees who were standing there heard him and asked, Are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. If God is first in your life, everything can come in order. If God is not first in your life, nothing can come in order. And when I say everything comes in order, I don't mean we're not going to have problems or tribulations in this world. Jesus said you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I don't mean you won't ever have any problems because we live in a fallen world. But what I do mean is that everything in your life can come into order and you can walk through whatever situation you go through because God is in charge and in control in your life because you've put him first in your life. But here's another thing God can never do. He can never be second. He can never be second. He's first of all. He's above all. He's higher than all. He's first. Every morning you wake up, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is your Savior, is with you all day long. How often during the day do you call upon Him? Do you rely upon Him? Do you talk to Him? Do you confess to Him? Do you seek direction or you just go your way? Time with Him, it simply means this, that at time, whatever that time is for you in your life, you spend with Him to do what? To get a sense of direction to prepare you for what the day holds. Only God knows what any day holds for any of us because God knows what's around the corner. He knows what's going to happen. We as preachers sometimes will say, put God first in your life. And that's a good analogy to help us understand. But let me just let you know, if God's not first in your life, he's still first in the universe. You didn't rearrange the order of the cosmos at all. Okay, God's still first. So God can never be second. Here's what I'm talking about. Who's first in your life? Who's really first? I'm asking you where your heart is. I'm telling you about a principle in scripture that God says, will you put me first? In every area of your life, will you put me first? Satan will do anything and everything in his power to get you busy, to distract you, anything to keep you off your knees, keep you out of the Word of God, keep you from meditating upon Scripture, keep you from absorbing the Word of God, keeping you from feeding on the Word of God because He knows how important it is. And so 
Why was Jesus up early? As the Bible reminds us in several places, up early before day, because Jesus, the Son of God, knew that He needed that time to be alone with His Heavenly Father to listen to the Father. All of us, none of us are in such a situation that we are so complete within ourselves that we don't need God's direction. All of us need to take time to listen to God. That the most important thing in your life as a follower of Jesus is your time that you spend alone with Him with nobody but Him. And so, listen, it was, it was a priority in the life of Jesus. It was a priority in the life of the Apostle Paul because it's the time when you and God personally are hearing each other. God is hearing you. You're hearing God. You're listening to God. God is listening to you. It's that private, intimate, personal time that you spend with Him. It's when there are no interruptions in your relationship with Him. Most important part of your life, no matter what. When you have a private time with just you and God, let me tell you something. That can save your life. It can save your finances. It can save your marriage. It can save your relationships. It can save your children. It can save every aspect of your life. Because it's that time when you and God, that just the two of you are dealing with something in your life that God is going to give you the right answer. You may hear lots of things, but if you will stay with Him, He will show you exactly what to do in any and every situation. God's not going to mislead you. Watch this carefully. If He loves you enough to give His Son to die on the cross for you, He's certainly not going to mislead you in some decision you have to make. You say, well, I'm a nobody. No, you're not. You're a somebody. You're a somebody whom Jesus has saved. You're a somebody that God has kept you to this point in your life. You're somebody that God has a plan for your life. You're somebody that, for whom God has a future and for whom God loves enough to take time to listen to you, speak to you, guide you, help you, guard you. That's who He is. That's what, that's what this is all about. Now think about this. Every single day of our life, we are absolutely subject to the power of God. We have the privilege of having a relationship with Him. We have the power within us and the Holy Spirit to do the right thing every time if we will choose to do it. He is working in our behalf continually.